You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the Welcome phone. Welcome in, everybody. Episode Here. 5. Wait. 46 yeah. of the podcast of the Sweeping America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Friday, June 17th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a fun Friday edition of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. That's right. The FFE is back. Here's what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to open NBA Finals. We don't do a ton of NBA on this show, but let's be honest. It's the middle of June. There isn't much else going on. We'll talk a little bit about Game 6, Golden State beating Boston. Golden State is your NBA champion I, I think I got a couple things to just share about Golden State, about what they've done through the years, and we'll, uh, you know, we won't spend too much time on it, but it is obviously the big story in sports this week. From there, we will transition with one of my favorite recurring guests on this show, Bruce Pearl, head coach, Auburn Tigers, joins the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You know, I'll say this, Coach Pearl, I get Coach Pearl about two to three times a year, sometimes once once to twice. He's a busy man, had the number one team in the country, the SEC champs, uh, and we had a great conversation. We talked a little bit about the NBA draft. He has two guys that might go in the first round. Uh, we talked a little bit about his, his current team, the one that just got back to campus, but we also got kind of serious. We talked about a, a summer tour that they're taking and the role that he feels that he plays as a, a mentor, a teacher to his, to his players. Really fun interview. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview with Bruce Pearl. It does get a little serious there in the middle, but that's okay. I uh, really enjoyed my time with Coach Pearl. And we'll obviously wrap with our Friday staple, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. A lot of good stuff. Obviously, we'll talk a little NBA Finals, college football, or a couple stories that I want to hit on there. Uh, and we'll get out of here. It's going to be a fun episode. You will really enjoy the Bruce Pearl segment. And I just think overall, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I do a lot of good shows. This one might be the best one I've ever done. So with that said, no more time to waste. And let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, obviously, as I said, NBA Finals, Game 6, Thursday night. And as a general rule, I don't really talk a ton of NBA on this show. But come on. It's the middle of June. There's nothing going on in college football. There's Definitely nothing going on in college basketball. Uh, We're going to talk NBA uh, draft next week. We talked about it last episode. I mean, there's only so much we could talk about 
without getting to the NBA Finals. So I just want to hit on the Finals really quick. Golden State obviously takes care of business in Boston, wins Game 6, wins their fourth title since 2015. And what I would say is, first of all, to the OG listeners of this show, I mean, I'm talking O-O-O-G. I think I started this show the last year of the Durant run with the Golden State Warriors. And so I bring it up because this thing has come full circle where three, four, five years ago, I did not like the Golden State Warriors. But as I watched them on Thursday night and as I watched them throughout this playoffs and throughout these finals, I'll be honest, I couldn't help but have a little bit of respect for them. And so why did I not like them dating back to the old day? You know, like, like, like I think to me, when I think about the Golden State Warriors as a whole, as I said, four titles since 2015, uh, for people who need a quick refresher, win it in 2015. That was the year they played LeBron. All LeBron's teammates are hurt. Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. 2016, Cleveland wins. And then 2017, 2018, they have Kevin Durant. 2019, everybody gets hurt. They lose to the Toronto Raptors. And then everything kind of starts over. So the question becomes, why didn't I like them at the beginning? And why I didn't like them at the beginning was a couple different things. One, I, I did think they always got a little bit of a pass from the media. I thought, oh, you know, it, it was just they were, they were the young, fun, different, unique team. And it just felt like they were immune to criticism, right? I, I've used this example a few times, but, you know, LeBron James, you're, you always hear, oh, he's cocky. Oh, he's arrogant. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. Well, what's more arrogant than what Steph and Clay used to do back in the day where they used to hit a, you know, a, a fall away three from 23 feet and they're turning around running back up court before the ball even goes through the net? And so why I didn't like them, I thought they were kind of, uh, you know, given favorable treatment by a lot of the media, obviously not me. But the other thing is they really went through no adversity, right? And I think one of the reasons that we all like sports, that we all follow sports is the trajectory and the arc of how sports work out, right? Like, I can give you a million examples, but think about George Bulldogs football team, right? How about my dogs? How about my dogs? Like, if Kirby Smart just comes to Georgia, wins a national championship in year two, it's not really like, like it's a cool story, like good for them. They won a championship in year two, but it's not the same as following Georgia over the last five, six years. Get to the championship game lose to Alabama, get back to the SEC championship game the following year, lose to Alabama, get back to the SEC championship game the year after, lose to LSU. Then they finally get back. They finally get back to the playoff. They beat Michigan. They beat Alabama this year. And like you, you went through the whole arc with them. They were really good. They were disappointing. They couldn't get over the hump, couldn't beat Bama. All of a sudden they, and then they're there. And then they're the national champion. And it's a really cool story. And it's not just Georgia. It's literally basically every sport that we follow, right? You know, University of Virginia basketball a few years ago. Like, yeah, they won the championship, but what was cool was they won it a year after they suffered the worst upset in NCAA tournament history, losing as a one seat. And so to get back to the Warriors, I think what a lot of our frustrations were as fans, or my frustration, I think a lot of people's frustration was like, it came too easy for them. Like, they went through no adversity. It's like year four of this Steph Clay Draymond era. They win a championship in 2015. Um, they do it against a team, uh, you know, LeBron's team that basically was beat up. Everybody's anointing them. Then the following year, they lose in the finals to LeBron and all them. And then just when things are starting to get tough for them, what do they do? They go out and get Kevin Durant. And then they, they win the next two titles going away. 
and I remember talking about it, the like the the OG listeners of this show. I don't know if I just mentioned it or whatever. But the OG listeners of this show, like 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 I think I started this show the tail end of the KD era, and it just wasn't fun. Like I don't think it was good for the NBA. I don't think it was good for for anybody. Um to kind of what happened with Kevin Durant. It's not a knock on Kevin Durant. It's not a knock on the Warriors. You get a chance to sign the second best player in the league at that point. You go ahead and do it. But it was like they win a championship. They deal with a little bit of adversity losing in the finals. And then they just go sign the best player. And it was like they rigged the game. The example that I kept using was watching the Warriors for those two or three years. It felt like they had the answers to the test before the test actually started. And so I think all of this is to say that this championship specifically, it gave me a newfound respect for him, right? It gave me a newfound respect because they actually did go through the adversity because it came so easy in 2015. Then they lost. Then they lose KD. Then they really went through some adversity. Clay Thompson, you feel terrible for him. Back-to-back serious injuries, the ACL followed by the Achilles. Steph obviously dealt with some injuries in 2020. The team finishes in last place. I think they had the worst record in the West during the 2020 season that was eventually canceled because of COVID. Restart with the bubble. The Warriors don't even come. Then last year, no clay. They end up on the, you know, in the play-in game, but they don't make the playoffs. And so they dealt with some real adversity. So to see them older, beat up, Draymond's clearly not the same player. Clay Thompson's clearly not the same player. To see them overcome that, I think that's why we all feel, or a lot of us do, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that I do, feel a little bit different about them now. Real adversity, overcame it, KD's not bailing them out, whatever. I'll also say this, I give a ton of credit to Steph Curry, because you know I wasn't the guy that was like, Steph Curry's terrible, but I did think, like I said, I thought he had a little bit of favorable coverage. I, I It was funny, I was talking to my wife about this during game six on... Uh, on a Thursday night, but you know, she, she was talking about how she loves how Steph brings out his wife and his kids and his this and his that. And I said, yeah, but I also think that was why some of my frustration and a lot of people's frustration was that because his kids were always around, because the wife was always around, you couldn't really criticize him because you can't criticize a guy at the podium when he's got his two little kids with him. And so I always thought he was kind of covered in a different way than everybody else. Like I said earlier, um, you know, you know, acted in an arrogant way, which is fine. But don't tell me LeBron's arrogant. Don't tell me Russell Westbrook's arrogant. Don't tell me James Harden's arrogant. Steph Curry does the exact same things, and he gets zero criticism at all. So to bring it full circle, I will say that I did think while he was one of the best players of his generation, one of his best players of all time, I didn't really know if he was like an all-time great. Well, I do think that debate is officially over, right? Like After everything that he did in these NBA playoffs— it's indisputable. He is one of the all-time greats, and to his credit, he absolutely elevated his game when his team needed it the most, and that is where I have a newfound respect for Steph Curry. There is no KD. The other team wasn't banged up. This isn't 2015 when LeBron's playing with Matthew Dellavedova and Timothy Mozgov and Kyrie's in a boot and K- uh, you know Kevin Love is out. Like This was a good Celtics team that earned their way into the NBA Finals. And Steph Curry just went out, and in the big moments when his team needed him, he was phenomenal. That game four, where he had 43 points, was one of the best. That was one of the best finals performances I've ever seen. Right? You know, it's really cool now being a little bit older, and you know, you hear your parents or your grandparents or other sports writers or whatever talk about 
Larry Bird in the NBA Finals or Magic tipping off, uh, you know, in 1980. I remember the tail end of the Jordan era. I remember some of the Shaq Kobe stuff. But to see literally a historic performance that we are going to be talking about forever in Game 4, 43 points, every point mattered, every point was needed. Boston was probably the better team that night. I thought it was pretty cool to see, and I thought it was pretty cool to see Steph Curry in front of our eyes evolve into a player that, that really, there's no debating it anymore, right? And I've seen other people say this in the media, and I, I tend to agree with this, is that like there's no more debate. If you're still trying to argue that Steph hasn't done this, or he didn't do that, or what about that, you're just being a hater. Like, like Guy is a two-time MVP, a four-time champion. He now has his NBA Finals MVP. And he is the reason that they won. As I said, Clay's beat up. Draymond's clearly not the same player. I do think Andrew Wiggins was awesome in this series. But other than Andrew Wiggins, I mean, when Andrew Wiggins is your second best player, you need a historic performance. And that's what the Warriors got from Steph Curry. And so I will say I have a newfound respect for him. I, you know, I don't, I don't do like top 10 lists and pantheons and like Mount Rushmore. Like that's like cliche, stupid stuff. But like, I don't know where I rank him, but I know that this finals run, this was as impressive as anything I've seen because I do think in years past, Clay has been at 100% playing as one of the five to 10 best players in the league. Obviously, at certain points, he had KD. Obviously, at certain points, Draymond Green was a different player than he is now. And so to see Steph do what he did, I have a newfound respect for. And finally, I'd say, you know, I really have a newfound respect for not only the Warriors, which I talked about to kind of lead the segment, but how the Warriors did it, okay? And, and maybe part of it is because I live in L.A., because I am so overexposed to LeBron, because I can't get in the car and turn on Sports Talk Radio without them talking about the Lakers and LeBron and what are they going to do and Westbrook and Davis and all that stuff. But I bring it up because, like, look, we've all followed LeBron's career. You don't need me to tell you the strengths and weaknesses and what he does well and what he doesn't do well. But one thing that's indisputable about LeBron, he has no patience for anything other than winning at the highest level. It's ironic, right? Andrew Wiggins, you know, playing as well as he did. Let's never forget, Andrew Wiggins was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, traded the second that LeBron got into town. Um, and, and, and I just bring it up as a metaphor for that is how LeBron has always operated. Come in, blow the thing up, trade away every young asset, draft pick, whatever. Get older players, Get, get experience, get guys that have been there before and have done it, and it's obviously resulted in success. LeBron has four championships to his name, but he's also created a lot of chaos like what we have in Los Angeles right now where the Lakers have no draft picks, no young players. They're stuck with Westbrook. They're stuck with a beat-up Anthony Davis, and I don't know what the heck they do to fix this current problem. So why do I bring it up and why do I, you know, what does it have to do with the Warriors? Like I said, this finals run gave me a newfound respect for the Warriors, and I think I've talked about this a little bit over the last couple weeks, but the reason it's given me a newfound respect is because when the Warriors, when they lost Kevin Durant, they really used that as like a moment in time to reset everything, right? Kevin Durant leaves, you have this great three-year run where you make three finals, you win two of them, Kevin Durant gets hurt, he goes to Brooklyn, Klay Thompson gets hurt, Steph Curry gets hurt at the beginning of that first year without them. And then the Warriors just said, like, okay, we're going to pump the brakes. We're going to chill. We're going to pause. We're going to reset. And we're going to kind of, like, start this thing over, right? They obviously had signed D'Angelo Russell. They trade him. They get Andrew Wiggins and a draft pick back. That, Andrew, that draft pick turns into Jonathan Kaminga. They have James Wiseman, who 
I kind of have doubts that he'll ever turn into anything you know, worthwhile in the NBA, but they draft Jordan Poole, and I bring it all up because I just give them so much credit. It would have been easy after making five straight NBA finals from 2015 to 2019 to just say, we got to keep this going, and we got to sign older guys, and we got to stay relevant, and we got to do this, and we got to do that. Instead, what they did was they took two years, they hit the reset, and they basically said, you know what? We're not title contenders this year. We can trade away all our young assets. We can put ourselves in a situation where we get the five, six, seven seed, losing the first round, and whatever. And instead, they did the exact opposite. They said, you know what? We're going to take a deep breath. We're going to reset. We're going to get younger. And now you look at them. We all watch these finals. Andrew Wiggins was awesome. Jordan Poole is a confident you-know-what. Jonathan Kaminga's coming. Moses Moody's coming. And all of a sudden, you look around, and you say, wait a second now. That Golden State Warriors team that everybody had given up on two years ago, that team, like, like, like they might have another five, six years left in them. Even as Steph and Clay and Draymond age out of this team, they got some young guys coming up. So I give them so much credit. I give them credit for how they handle themselves. And I give credit to Steph, too. Like I said, I, I thought it was, an incre- it was incredible to watch him continue to evolve. Most people thought he was an all-time great. But there were so many little holes in his resume. Is he really the best player on a championship team? Is he really good enough to win finals MVP? Can he really carry a team without KD or without Clay playing at an elite level? He did that. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. I will say, and we'll talk about it a little bit with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Once they got into the playoffs as a three seed, I, I didn't buy this narrative. Like at the end of, uh, of game six, if you watch the post-game stuff, there was this big like, oh my God, nobody believed in us. Well, I don't know about all that, but I do give them credit. After two years away, two years of bottoming out, the Golden State Warriors are your NBA champion. Uh, and that's all I really have to say. Really quickly, just on the Boston Celtics, what I would say is, you know, one, congrats to the Boston Celtics. I think you could see if you watch the series, they just ran out of gas and they ran out of confidence. Jason Tatum did not play with any confidence at all. We talked about it a few weeks ago in where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. He said some weird comments about, you guys labeled me a superstar. I never labeled myself a superstar. And I said, wait a second now. Kobe would have never said that. MJ would have never said that. Steph would have never said that. I, I didn't like the attitude, but not the attitude, but I, I didn't like the lack of confidence is really what it was. But what I would just say about Boston, you could just tell. They just ran out of gas. They ran out of confidence young team, really outside of Al Horford. Nobody had been on this stage before. And I know Al Horford had never even played in the finals. But I mean, deep, deep, deep run, all the spotlight. And you could just tell. Game four, they had it in control. They ended up losing. Game five, Golden State took control and never gave it back. And I thought game six, after that hot start, Golden State was in complete control. The only thing I would say about Boston is I I think both these teams are very interesting, right? Because like I just said, I do think Golden State... I think they could keep this thing going for another two, three, four, five years, even as Steph gets older, as Clay gets older, as Draymond gets older, because they have Jordan Poole, they have Andrew Wiggins, they have Jonathan Kaminga, they have Moses Moody. I'm not sold on the Celtics, though. And uh, it's not to say that they can't get back. They're obviously just as young. But what I would say is this goes back to something, and I've talked about it on this show, and I've certainly talked about it on my radio show with my radio partner, Jason Martin, is... Jason always says something that I find very interesting, which is when you get a chance to win one, you better take advantage. Your champion, when you, your window is never as big as it is, and what Jason always says is your window is right now. And I do kind of get that vibe with the Boston Celtics 
they get there, and I think the assumption is, oh, they'll get back, and they'll be back the next decade. Jalen Brown's young, just uh, Jason Tatum's young, Marcus Smart's young. And I look at it and I say, I, I mean, I don't know. Needed a game seven against Milwaukee at home. Milwaukee played the entire series without Chris Middleton. If Chris Middleton's healthy, they might not win that series. The Heat were banged up throughout their entire series. Jimmy Butler was hurt. Tyler Hero was hurt. Uh, Kyle Lowry was hurt. And so with the Boston Celtics, I think they're a really good story. I'm just not sold that it's like this guarantee that they're absolutely, positively, 100% back next year. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're obviously well-coached. Ime Odoka really kind of established himself as one of the bright young coaches in this league. Um, but yeah, I'm just not sold that they are that team going forward. All right. <laughs> I think that's it for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Again, congrats to the Golden State Warriors, your 2022 NBA champion. Uh, all, all I'd really say in conclusion, I thought it was a really fun series. I thought it was a really fun playoffs um, you know, I remember talking about it during the NCAA tournament, the fact that the 2020 tournament was canceled, the 2021 tournament wasn't the same, and it's kind of felt the same with the NBA, right? Uh, you know, two years ago, we have the bubble. Last year, we have a regular season, but there's all sorts of starts and stops and this and that, and the finals get pushed back into July. It was nice to get back on that normal schedule. I thought it was just a fun playoffs overall, uh, and I really did enjoy it. That said, that's what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break, and when I come back, I want to bring out one of my favorite guests, the head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Bruce Pearl. Uh, coach Pearl and I go in a lot of different directions, but what I would tell you is this. First of all, I love having Coach Pearl on. Um, he's as insightful, smart. He's a heck of a basketball coach. Obviously, I love talking basketball with him. I love talking life with him. And what I will say, we get kind of serious in the middle. We, we talk a little bit about uh, his team taking a foreign tour, the role that he plays as a leader, as a teacher, and all that good stuff. But we also talk about some fun stuff, coaching Jabari Smith, who could be the potential number one pick in the draft, coaching Walker Kessler, who could be a first-round pick, talk a little bit about the team that he has next year. So Bruce Pearl is coming up. Really fun interview. Love having Coach Pearl on. We're going to take a quick break, come back, bring on Bruce Pearl. I will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, joining me via Zoom. Uh, guy, you know, I'm privileged to get to talk to a few times a year. Somebody, uh, I, I just love talking to you, Coach. Bruce Pearl, head coach, Auburn. Always love talking with you. We, sometimes we stick to basketball, real life, all that good stuff. But first of all, how is the summer going? How you doing? I know coaches don't really get a summer these days, but, but how, how's everything going? Aaron, everything is good. Uh, it's great to be on campus uh, with our student athletes, being able to practice some through the summer. 
you know, one of the best rules the NCAA made the adjustment on was giving us, you know, giving us time in the summer to teach our kids. You know, we, we, you know, young people go to college to try to grow and try to learn. And, you know, whether you're an artist or a musician or an engineer or a basketball player, um, everybody understands the value of a work ethic. I'm sure back in the day, uh, coaches were exploiting, you know, student athletes and driving them into the ground, but we all understand the importance of rest and recovery uh, and the different seasons of training. So the fact that we're going to, we get to work with our guys year round is something because I'm old enough to remember when we couldn't work them out in the summertime, but we were responsible for them. And there was a time, Aaron, that's why European basketball actually jumped out ahead uh, of, of intercollegiate basketball because we weren't able to put our hands on it like we can now. So it's been really good. I was going to ask is I don't think it's been what is it been about six seven years I don't think it's been that long since you guys have been able to actually work with them I mean I remember the stories being you know kids would play hundreds of AAU games a year you know 50 60 70 80 over the course of a summer then they get to campus and coach can't talk to them until the first day of practice so one you know it seems like you're enjoying it and two I, I would ask you where do you as a coach how do you find that balance of exactly what you just said getting your hands on them, getting to know some of the new guys, not trying to do too much, not trying to push too hard, knowing that you're going to be with them for another, what, eight, nine months through March and April yeah. of next year. I mean, it's, it's a long season, but I, I do think kids want to be held accountable. I still think they want discipline. Everybody talks about what's changed. What's changed sometimes are the parents. And, 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 and I, I love our parents. I love working with them. Um, it's just that, you know, we, we've got this society of rather than fighting, we flee. If your kid's not playing shortstop and batting third, put them on a different team. Just forget it. We're going to go across town. We're going to try something else, something else. Instead, you know what, son, you might want to try to stop swinging at bad pitches, you know, and maybe, you know, <laughs> so we could, we could bat you third. And then, and so, um, you know, what, what does summer training look like? Uh, summer training is time to put on a little bit of size. I uh, say, so take after me. I put on size, except I put it on my gut, but, um, you know, so there's a different kind of weight training. And so, therefore, you've got to be able to uh, work with your strength and conditioning coach on what kind of a loads am I going to have in practice? How much full quarter are we going to do? How much running and conditioning are we going to do? One of the summer times, we're going to push on. We're going to push some more plates. We're going to, we're going to obviously, hydration is an issue. The nutrition and eating five or six times a day. Uh, but some of the time to put on a little bit of size. It's also you know, trying to work on things that you don't own, that you don't possess. What are you good at? Let's go, get, go, let's go get great at it. You can't be great at anything unless you're already good at it. So a lot of times in the summertime, I want my guys working actually on their strengths and not so much working on their weaknesses. Um, we'll hide their weaknesses, but we want to feature, going to obviously feature their strengths. And then, um, you know, giving them the recovery of the weekends, you know, we'll probably only go four and a half days a week in the summertime. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and maybe Friday morning. And then they're off for the weekend pretty much every weekend. Uh, so they can get away mentally and they really get a nice long recovery uh, of at least two and a half days off. That's kind of what we what we tend to do in the summertime. You know, the other thing that stood out, and you know, I'm I'm grateful because there was a game that was announced uh the morning that we speak of, uh, that we're speaking here, which we'll get to in a minute. But I also had forgotten you guys are taking a foreign tour this summer. So you know, one, how much does that help get you ready for the season? But then two, uh, you guys are going to Israel. I, I, I read all your comments when the, the tour was announced. And I know this is a very important trip for you 
from like an educational experience, not just a basketball experience. So would love to know, I think you're about a month, five weeks away from heading out to Israel, what you hope to, to get out, get out for, what, what you hope the guys to get out of that trip. Well, Aaron, first of all, uh, I think the rule of being able to go overseas on a foreign trip once every four years is one is, is another great rule by the NCAA. I have, I have traveled all, and my teams have traveled all over the world. I'm talking about from China to Korea, uh, Japan, uh, to Eastern and Western Europe. Uh, you know, I've not done the South American trip yet, um, but we do look at it as more than just a trip to the Bahamas, not to be critical, because that's a cool place during the year. But we do look at it as an educational experience. Uh, and again, uh, you, name, you name it, we, we've been there and seen it. Israel is probably the second best country in the world to play professional basketball, NBA being number one. I mean, Israel, the way they pay and the quality of the teams and the fan base could be number two. Back in the day, you'd think it would be Spain or Italy and no criticism there, but man, they play really good basketball. They pay really well. They got great professional clubs. But for one reason or another, Israel has not been a common destination for people. The perception of it being not safe, uh, the perception of it being somehow uh, uh, disputed territories. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, there are places in our country that, that, that aren't very safe, and that's a problem that we should obviously fix. Uh, but I've been to Israel many times, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country with beautiful people. Um, what people don't understand about Israel, just from a, a political, religious and political perspective, there are 9 million people in Israel, 6 million Jews and 3 million Arabs. And most of them are living in peace. And, and um, it's actually quite a melting pot. And of course, when you're in the Middle East, most of the people there are people of color. And so, you know, for me to take my players to a place like that where my Jewish history lies, their Christian history was born and lies, to be able to see where Jesus was born, where he was taught, where he ministered, and where he died historically is just an incredible experience. And, and of course, as a coach, I'm always trying to bring things together. And so you know I'm going to be able to tie the two of those things together, their Judeo-Christian heritage. Our guys that want to go get baptized are going to get baptized in the River Jordan, the same river and approximately the same location where John baptized Jesus. What an incredible opportunity for our players that want to be able to do that. And so, um, and then from a basketball standpoint, we're playing the Israeli national team. We're playing the U-20 team. I mean, we, you know, when you go overseas, a lot of times you don't, you know, the competition is not really good. This is going to be all we want. And so uh, I am just so excited about it. And the last thing I'll say, Aaron, thank you for giving me this opportunity. My goal and my dream is to create this August trip to Israel a reality for two or three college teams every year. Like this, we're the first power five men's basketball team to ever go to Israel and play. There was a, uh, a couple of D3 teams that have gone. I think the Vanderbilt women went one year. But there's never been any big-time men's college basketball team that have gone over there and competed. I'm trying to create a, a situation there where they'll be tying in the Abraham Accords and some of the, priest, uh, the peace treaties and the normalization of relations between UAE and Bahrain and Morocco and Israel and the United States and have this be a destination in August that other coaches are going to want to take their teams for, for the reason why I'm taking my team. That's incredible.
incredible. And, you know, one thing I would say, you know, being a little bit older, um, you know, I, I, I've had the chance to travel a little bit and you realize exactly what you just said. Um, you know, most people, almost all people are good people working hard, trying to provide for their fit. How important are those like life lessons for you as a coach where we all get caught up in our bubble, myself certainly included, and you're dealing with 17, 18, 19 year old impressionable people that are maybe from one area of the country. They've never really been anywhere else or they've only traveled for basketball and they haven't gotten outside the hotel. How important is it for you, whether it is this trip, whether it is an SEC road trip, whether it is a, a Thanksgiving tournament to expose your players to things outside of maybe their comfort zone? Well, I, I think it's very important. Uh, and and, and as, as, as a teacher, a coach, uh, a part-time minister, because this is more of a ministry than it is anything else, I just think it's my responsibility to expose them to different things. Like one of the great challenges for college coaches uh, ha was, and in some ways still is, our players' right to protest the things that are wrong that go on, the racism that's out there. You're a young brother. Colin Kaepernick takes a knee for the national anthem. And you want to support him in, in his messaging. Uh, you've been profiled when you walk into a store. You've been stopped by law enforcement at times, sometimes for no other reason other than the fact that you weren't the right color in the wrong place at the wrong time. Those things exist. Now, they don't exist as much as they did for my players' fathers and my players' fathers' fathers. And so I don't think our country gets near enough credit for just – what a great place this is for, and a great opportunity for us all to be able to live. However, there's pressure on them. Do I kneel and 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 support my brother, or do I stand and honor my country and the people that are there at their, that our games at Lever? Well, you got to teach them to love our country. You got to teach them about patriotism. You got to teach them about the flag. I bring military guys every year in. About half the guys says, "If I was in your situation, I'd probably kneel." I have another half of the guys that come in and say, "You know what?" I fought and was willing to give my life so that you would have the right to kneel. And then when the players ask them a question, well, how would you feel if we knelt? Most of the time, the soldiers say, it probably break my heart because I love Auburn basketball. I love what you guys are doing. I fought for the right to you kneel, but if you're asking how I'd feel, man, I wish you'd honor the flag. Would you honor the flag for me? And guess what? Our guys will. And then what we find out is like, you know what? Let's raise money for scholarships for more students that look like you to come to Auburn, to have more diversity, I, just things like that. So what I just said to you, Aaron, people could take issue with and absolutely disagree. And I'm not trying to get my guys to necessarily go on one side of the, or the other. I might be a little bit, but I want them exposed to both. And then I want them to be able to make their own decisions. All I can say to that is, um, I, I, you know, not that anyone cares about my opinion, but I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said is, is finding that balance. And as the son of immigrants, as, you know, the husband of immigrants, you know, we do live in a great country that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle of some of the conversations. And um, I'm glad you shared that with me. I'm glad you shared that with me. A little bit of basketball stuff, you know, obviously next couple of weeks, huge for Auburn basketball. Um, you, your staff, your players have accomplished a ton since you've gotten there, since your staff has gotten there. You might add one more thing to the uh, trophy case here in the next couple of days with a potential number one overall pick with Jabari Smith. How proud are you of Jabari? Um, what, you know, what, tell us about, we all watched him 40, whatever percent, three point shooter at six foot 10. Uh, we, we see the stuff on the court. Tell us about him off the court. Cause I'm sure 
This is probably the number one question that Bruce Pearl has been asked over the last probably two months or so. Well, Aaron, the reason why I think he goes number one is for all the things that you said, but then the things that people don't see behind the scenes, uh, he's, he's just such a pro. Um, he's in the gym every morning at 6.30, five, six days a week with, with, with unbelievable consistency. All he did was come in here and want to get better because he knew he had things he had to work on. He wanted to win championships. He wanted to be an unbelievable teammate. And he wanted to enjoy his a freshman year or a sophomore year in, in college and have a college experience. His teammates were so happy for his success and not jealous of his success. Um, he brought others into the gym along with them. He didn't care about his individual numbers. He just cared about the, what the scoreboard said. Did he want the ball? Absolutely, because he knew he could win games for us. He wasn't ever, ever afraid of the moment. He played for me at 18 years old, and he never acted like it, either in practice or during a game. Uh, he was tough. Uh, you know, for a guy that only weighed, let's say, 210 pounds, and the scouting report was to try to push him around, that was a big mistake. All you did was piss him off, and he was going to beat you. Um, you know, he just he's, – he's the first – he's – He's a guaranteed NBA All-Star. And I just don't know that there are many guys in the league now at 6'10 that can make contested jump shots like he can. He can guard one through five. He moves his feet. He sits down and he impacts the game on both on, on, on both ends. So um, he's absolutely a joy to coach. And he's the reason, you know, he is one of the major reasons, if not the reason, that we, you know, we're number one in the country for three weeks while we won the SEC. And, um, yeah, we didn't finish the season great. We got upset by Miami. Weren't playing our great best at the end of the year. But there was probably about a month during the season where we were the best team in college basketball at Auburn. And that's because of Jabari Smith. That's because of Walker Kessler and, 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 and the guys on this team and this coaching staff. You mentioned Walker Kessler. You know, he's another one that I loved watching with you guys, and, and I could see – where he could have success in the NBA. And one thing that really stood out as I was kind of thinking about knowing I was going to talk to you, you know, as we watch these playoffs, as we watch these finals, basically everybody on the floor, except for maybe one guy as a role player. And while Walker Kessler was national defensive player of the year, you know, all SEC, whatever, he was kind of a role player for you guys, right? Defense, energy, second chance points, uh, catching lobs. And, and that was one thing that stood out is that, uh, you know, it's a cliche in basketball, like star in your role. Um, and again, all SEC. So it's not to say that he was the ninth guy off the bench, but but was kind of is that first of all, is that fair to say that he sort of played a role for you guys? And and I assume it's seven foot one or whatever. He could do the same thing for an NBA team. I, I, I'm telling you right now, you put a great player or two on the floor. You put three role players, you're going championships. Now, Walker is going to be he was the best player in college basketball in the air, offensively, defensively. As a rim protector and catching everything that was thrown up to him, a great offensive rebounder, an excellent passer, positive assist turnover ratio, um, and he and he shot the three ball fifty times for us. Now he didn't shoot a great percentage, but he's going to be a really good three point shooter at the next level. First thing you got to do is you got to actually be willing to shoot it, and he was willing to shoot it, and he, and he, and and he also works at it. Those two guys were both our hardest workers and 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 two of our greatest competitors. So. I had the front, I had the best front line in college basketball. Uh, I only had them for one year, uh, but we certainly did enjoy them while we had them. And they were, and they're both great people from great families. And I just, they're both, they're both guaranteed. Very good. A couple of questions. We'll get you out of here. You know, you mentioned having to replace the best front line in college basketball. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about the new guys. You know, Janae Broom was a guy. I mean, I, I watched him enough at, at Moorhead State. I know some of the guys down there, they loved him. I'm excited to see what he can do for you guys. It was an intense recruiting battle. Everybody in college basketball wanted him. The Auburn Tigers got him. I know it's early. Well, I don't want to put too much on his plate, you know, three weeks on campus or whatever, but what have you seen from him so far? Well, he looks good. You know, you know, when you lose two first round frontline guys, you know, you have an opportunity. We happened to play against Janai uh, when he was at Moorhead State at, at Auburn. We, 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 we played very well that day. It was our, actually our opening game. So that was a real eye opener for Moorhead about what kind of a, what, what that level was. Um, look, Janai is a big guy that can move. Um, he, he can really score with his back to the basket. He is an excellent rim protector also. Uh, and he, while he didn't shoot the three ball at Moorhead, he's going to shoot it for me. And so uh, he's got a really good stroke. Um, it's going to be a little new for him. He's going to be facing the basket a little bit more than what he typically was. Uh, he can switch and guard a lot of different positions, which we've been very, very excited about the fact that he does move so well. He's able to keep guards in front of him, which is a, a real litmus test, I think, for the next level. Um, and so we're excited about what he brings. And then uh, Yoan Trailer is, is a young freshman uh, that can really shoot the basketball. Uh, he's got tremendous upside. He's really, really athletic. He can score facing with his back to the basket a little bit. I got two really good young prospects to come into a team where you've got Dylan Cardwell, who is a, an established inside player. Jalen Williams was the best backup foreman in college basketball last year because as a sophomore, you know, Jalen was this close to being an all-SEC type player. He returns. And then Stretch Babatunde uh, has been in the program for a number of years. He's really good. I've got five pretty good frontline players. We've got great depth on the front line. And so uh, uh, I, I like, you know, what we've got brought in, and I like the returning guys. Um, we'll miss the best player in college basketball in Jabari Smith and certainly the best rim protector in Walker Kessler. Coach, you got stuff to do, man. It, you know, it used to be June. You get to kick your feet up a little bit. You know, I, I don't know what Bruce Pearl does in his free time. I don't know if you're a lake guy, a boat guy, a beach guy, but you got other interviews. You got, you know, uh, press conferences. You just got a game announced today. So I appreciate you making a few minutes. Uh, as I said at the beginning, always enjoy speaking with you. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a blast. I enjoy it. And uh, we'll do this again sometime in the future. Well, Aaron, I, I enjoy, you know, talking basketball with you and, and, and thank you for letting me open my heart up to to some other issues and things like that. And forgive me, folks that, you know, offer me the grace if you if, if I said anything that would be offensive or uh, you know, I think we should be able to trade ideas and and agree to disagree on, on, on things like that. I, I read you. I follow you. I think you do a really, really nice job. It's a safe space uh, for us to come into. Um, I'm very proud of the SEC. I'm yeah, very yeah. proud of Auburn. Um, you know, our baseball team is, is, is getting ready to compete Are up in Omaha. Omaha. Are you We're, going? I'm gonna go, I am. I'm going to go to Omaha on, uh, and, and see their second game. Uh, Butch Thompson has done an amazing job. This is his second trip uh, to the World Series in the last three or four years. And um, you just look across the board at, at, at Auburn in so many ways, um, both in the classroom and in the community uh, and, and with our sports programs. Uh, I'm just glad that men's basketball is holding up its end. Well, two things. One, I told you last time I'm a UConn Husky. The Huskies had won their Super Regional. I was going to be in Omaha. That's one. But two, I remember Bruce Pearl saying after you beat Kentucky at home, Auburn's not a basketball school. It's an everything school. So 
very prophetic uh, in that. So we'll be watching the Tigers in Omaha. We'll be watching the Tigers in Israel this summer. And coach, thank you again for the time. Okay, my pleasure. Ori Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Going to be back. Going to be back. Uh, first of all, thank you again, Bruce Pearl. Um, you know, look, I, I said it before Coach Pearl came on, and I'll say it again, is that that guy is an incredibly busy guy, and he doesn't have to do stuff like the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I mean, first of all, NBA draft is, first of all, he has his kids back on campus. He's running practices four days a week, as he said. Two, if he's going to talk NBA draft, I guarantee you all the big networks want him on to talk about Jabari Smith, to talk about Walker Kessler. So the fact that he took the time to do this show I'm always grateful. I always enjoy speaking with him. I think he's honest. I think he's real. I think he's raw. I think we need more guys like him in sports that are not afraid to say it how it is. So thank you to Coach Pearl. I had a blast talking to him. I hope you guys and girls enjoyed listening to him as much as I enjoyed talking to him. With that said, I do want to wrap this Friday show like we do every Friday with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Concept of this, very straightforward. My buddy Colin Cowherd stole this from my buddy Colin. Uh, Colin does on his show every, I think it's Monday, he does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong, kind of hitting on a lot of the stuff that he gets right and wrong over the course of a week. Decided to bring it to this show, the Aaron Torres Podcast, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, for a pretty straightforward reason. I love to come on this show and tell you all the stuff I get right. I come on here, I do radio, I do podcasts, I have a social media account, And nobody spits out more opinions than your boy Torres, and nobody loves telling you when he nailed those opinions more than I did. Just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong, too, and I got to hold myself accountable for that. I got to give myself a little slap on the wrist. Got to say, be better, Aaron. Be better, Torres. Be better. And so we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, hitting on the things that I got right, the things that I got wrong. We do it every Friday. Fun way to wrap the week. So let's get into it. Friday edition, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. So the Golden State Warriors won the NBA title. We talked about that to lead the show. And what I would say is it's kind of interesting because after the game, I thought it was very weird. Um, All the Warriors players and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, oh, nobody believed in us and nobody thought we could do this. Really? Nobody did? Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you this. Coming into the playoffs, I thought the Warriors had as good a chance as anybody to win it. Now, did I like plant my flag and say, they're going to win it? I didn't, but I didn't really understand the argument against them. They're old, they're experienced, they have guys who have been here before, and I just didn't understand. I think sometimes the NBA media gets caught up in narratives, and I didn't understand the Phoenix narrative, I didn't understand the Memphis narrative. Phoenix last year was a great story, they made the finals, but if you remember, in round one, they were playing the Lakers. They were down 2-1 to one and losing game four. And then Anthony Davis goes down. They win that series and they go all the way to the finals and get smoked. So I didn't believe in Phoenix. And I certainly didn't believe in Memphis. Great story. They're young. They're not making the NBA finals. And so I, 
I said, why not Golden State? Like I said, experience, talent, guys that have been here before. I thought they had as good of a chance as anybody to at least get out of the West. If you get to the finals, anything can happen from there. Congrats to the Golden State Warriors. But please don't tell me that nobody believed in you because Torres believed in you. I told you they could win it, and they did. Where Aaron was wrong. So here's the deal with your boy Torres and Steph Curry. Set it to lead the show. It's not that I never liked Steph Curry. I did think that he was somewhat protected by the media. I didn't think that most of the media went after him as hard as they went after LeBron and KD and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And so I was always a little tougher on him because I felt like I had to be. Like, nobody else is going to call him out, so why shouldn't I? I bring it all up to say this. I thought he was a very talented player. I thought he's the greatest shooter I've ever seen. I didn't know that he was like an all-time great. I, yeah, I was dead wrong, as I said earlier in the show. Um, you know, this was a guy that this specific Warriors team, listen, I know I just said they're talented and they're this and they're that, but Clay clearly isn't the same player. Draymond clearly isn't the same player. Andrew Wiggins is a really good piece, but he's not a superstar. Um, you know, Jordan Poole will get there, but he's not there yet. And they really needed Steph Curry to be an all-time great to win this series. That's exactly what he was. As I said earlier in the show, I thought game four was one of the great performances that I have ever seen. 43 points. Every single one of them mattered. Every single one of them took the, the life and the excitement and the energy out of the crowd in Boston. And so where Aaron was wrong... I always thought Steph was like one of the three, four, five best players of this generation. I didn't know if he was an all-time great. He proved it in these finals. He was an all-time great. Congrats to him. First finals MVP, fourth NBA title overall. Very deserving. Where Aaron was right. Did you hear? <laughs> I can't even get it out. You hear about our buddy John Ruiz? Remember John Ruiz, the Miami booster that liked to brat? He, he did the big post about, oh, we're paying Nigel Pack to transfer $400,000 to promote LifeWallet, my company, to come to Miami. Biggest NIL deal on record. And everybody on social media thought it was so cute. And everybody thought it was so funny. And everybody thought it was hilarious. And I said, why'd you do that? That was so dumb. The only reason you did that was to pat yourself on the back, not because you care about the kid, not because you care about Miami, but because you want to show everybody I'm the biggest, baddest booster on the block. Well, what happened this week? Did you see the story that the NCAA, their first official investigation into improper NIL, who was it? Miami and John Ruiz. Listen, nobody's anti-NIL. Nobody's anti-players getting paid. But the one rule the NCAA tried to put in place was it cannot be pay for play. It cannot be a recruiting enticement. And John Ruiz basically thumbed his nose at the NCAA and said, come investigate me if you can. I'm not saying they can do anything with it. But at the same time, he put himself in this situation. And of course, as soon as the NCAA came after him, oh my goodness, of course they're coming after me. Why would they come after me? What did I do? Well, you idiot, you gave a guy money as a recruiting enticement to come breaking NCAA rules and whatever, I, I don't know if Miami will get punished, but at the same time, uh, don't pretend like you're the victim here, John Ruiz. You should have never put it out there. If you want to pay the players to get to Miami, that's fine, but don't be stupid and put it out there. Don't be stupid and put yourself under a microscope. That is exactly what happened. Where Aaron was wrong. So Zion Williamson spoke last weekend. <laughs> Zion Williamson was asked about his future in New Orleans. He said, look, I want to be here, and it appears as though the New Orleans Pelicans are set to give him a long-term contract. But where Aaron was wrong, I cannot believe that we are at this point with Zion Williamson, 
where I'm not even sure he's the most important player on in the New Orleans Pelicans organization anymore. Brandon Ingram was an all-star this year. Brandon Ingram took over playoff games this year. Herb Jones is awesome. Jose Alvarado is awesome. I'm not saying those last two are more important than Zion, but I just cannot believe how off the radar and insignificant this guy was. And so where Aaron was wrong, when this guy came into the NBA, I thought he was like everybody else. I thought he was going to be the face of the league. I thought he was going to be the face of the Pelicans. I thought he might be the best player in the league at any given point. And I will say when he's healthy, he's awesome. He averaged 27 points last year, made an all-star team, but New Orleans appears to have moved on without him. Now, they're going to give him the max contract. They're going to give him, you know, whatever they have to to keep him happy. But you just talk about a guy that has become kind of irrelevant. When you think about all the young stars in the NBA, you think about Luka, you think about Jason Tatum, you think about, um, you know, whoever, Ja Morant, who was in his own draft class. Not only is Zion not even the best player in his draft class, he's not even the best under-25 player on the New Orleans Pelicans right now, it is Brandon Ingram. I cannot believe how far this guy has fallen. I saw the quote, and it just struck me. Like, I haven't thought about Zion Williamson in a year. Um, and you talk about, again, in the grand scheme of most important young players, most important Pelicans, most important whatever, Zion Williamson is pretty far down the list. Where Aaron was right. So the NCAA is doing all these things. They're doing all these meetings. But one thing that came out of this week and all these meetings that they're having, they call it the Transformation Committee. We're going to fix some things. They want to put in transfer portal windows. I talked about this back in January. I said, look, nobody's anti-transfer portal. It's what I just said with John Ruiz and NIL. Nobody's anti-NIL. Just don't be an idiot about it and don't put your business out there in public. And it's the same with transfers. Nobody's anti-transfer, but the transfer portal can't be Burger King. It can't be open 24-7, drive through, drive in, drive out. And so what I proposed back in like January was you have two transfer portal windows. You have one right after the first semester, right after the football season, a week or two after the conference championship games, you give it a month. You enter on December 15th, you can be recruited, and then you cannot enter after January 15th. And then you do another one in the spring after the spring semester, after spring football, after the NCAA tournament. There is no reason that the transfer portal has to be open 365 days a year. And in a lot of cases, it's detrimental. It's detrimental to the players because they feel like they have to enter the portal either the day the season ends or in a lot of cases before the season ends because they have to get to the next spot to make sure that they get, you know, kind of, let me even backtrack. It's important, like, like, like if you're a football player and you know you don't want to be at your school anymore, it incentivizes you to get in the portal right away so you can start taking visits and so you can start locking up your spot at the next place. And what you have is this never-ending cycle of players leaving one team, visiting other teams during the season, committing during the season, even if they can't play to the following year. And so what I just said was, we need two simple windows. One after the first semester, one after the second semester. You have a month to get in. If you're not in at a certain point, then you're not eligible to play. It appears as though that's where the NCAA is going. Uh, this was part of the Transformation Committee conversation. Nothing is set in stone yet, but I do think we are finally going to kind of wrap our arms around NIL, or excuse me, around the transfer portal. It just feels like there is a way to do it without having the transfer portal open 365 days a year. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. College World Series starts today. Uh, a lot of fun teams in it. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Stanford. My UConn Huskies should have been there. But you know who's not there? The two teams that I picked 
to make the College World Series championship game. I picked Tennessee over Oregon State to win the championship, and neither of them is in Omaha. So as it turns out, here's a funny thing. I love college baseball. I've gotten really into it. Apparently, I'm not very good at making picks. Now, in my defense, a couple things. Tennessee was clearly the best team all year. This is just the sport. This is how college baseball works out. Uh, 1999 was the last time that the number one overall seed won the college baseball tournament. But I bring it up because, uh, yeah, as much fun as I'm having watching college baseball, those picks weren't very good. I said UConn was making Omaha. They fall a step short. I said Tennessee over Oregon State in the championship. Uh, Yeah, neither of them made it to Omaha. So I was 0 for 3 there. Congrats to the eight teams that have made it, though. If I'm picking a new champion, I don't know. I'll just say, uh, I guess Arkansas. I mean, Kendall Rogers, who's basically the woge of college baseball, says Arkansas is going to win it. So I'll take Arkansas. But I love college baseball. My picks clearly suck. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. I'm recording at about 1.30 Eastern time on, uh, on Thursday night into Friday. My neighbors are probably going to kill me, so I should get going here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. And, of course, make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Next week's NBA Draft, I think I got a good guest coming for you guys on maybe Wednesday. Obviously, Draft is on Thursday. We'll have a recap on Friday. And then it's going to be go time with football, man. Football is really, really, really close. We're under 100 days till kickoff. And we're going to start ramping up some college football here over the next few weeks. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here, though. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. And uh, I'll be back on Monday. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. I'll be back on Monday. New episode, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. See you guys, people. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.